Mindfulness Mode 134. I would have said, oh my God, she's fat. She doesn't know how to eat. She's, she's lazy. She's stupid. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Cassie Crosley here on the line today. Hey, Cassie, are you in mindfulness mode? I certainly am. Cassie Crosley is a paleo diet success story. She's lost over 130 pounds, that's 59 kilograms, after adopting the paleo lifestyle. 75% of Cassie's time is spent traveling, mostly related to her work as a technology executive in an international company. Paleo has not only given her tremendous weight loss, but also incredible improvements in every area of her health. Cassie is also a podcaster, host of the I Love My Job podcast. So, Cassie, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about this. But first, I just want to ask you, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness means an awareness of myself, the world around me, and an inner peace. I I didn't even know what mindfulness was two years ago because I didn't focus on myself at all. Everything was external. So mindfulness is really bringing it all home and centering myself. So is that part of the reason why you started to realize you wanted to lose weight and then you pursued that? It actually was the reverse for me. I, Because of the way I was eating and the foods I was eating, I was angry and frustrated and I'd lose my temper in a, in a matter of seconds. I was so unhappy, not only with how I physically looked, but mentally I was just not connected to the world. And when I changed the food that I was eating and started to heal my body, I realized that there is so much to be joyful about in the world. And that's when mindfulness came to me. So it was the reverse. That's really, really interesting. You're angry. You are frustrated. Wow. You must have been living a life that really did not feel very good. And you said mentally. So then you started to become aware of the fact that you really wanted to change the way you felt, the way you looked. So where did you go from there? What happened was um, I had a, a daughter in a different city. She had lived with her dad for high school. And then uh, it didn't work out for the living arrangement. So I moved back home to Atlanta and we got an apartment. When I was in the apartment with her, I was not going to be traveling as much for that period of time. And I wanted to focus on improving some of my health, one of which was I was needing a nap every day. I was I was drained. I was... 180 pounds overweight and I couldn't focus. And like I said, I was not a happy person, but I also had uh, something called candida infection. And that was based off of all the sugar I was eating. So I first started focusing on cutting out sugar, which is a lot easier to do when you're in a more isolated environment. And that, uh, that was really where I started. And then it, it grew to all the different topics. It's like, how do I do this to improve uh, myself, you know, what do I need to do to take walks and to really observe? And we can talk in a little bit about the meditation practice that I started. 
Okay. Yes. Well, you, you cut sugar. That was your first step. And when did you get into paleo? About, uh, about 30 days after I cut sugar, I was still looking for ways to heal my body from, from this, uh, candida infection. It's a yeast type infection. And so many of the references brought up paleo and I had heard of paleo, but I, I was, I was not going to do it because that would have been giving up a lot of the carbohydrates and the foods that I had always enjoyed. I already knew I was gluten sensitive to a point. So I had problems with a gluten protein that's in wheat, barley, and rye, but I didn't want to give everything up. At that point, I was very desperate. So it was only about um, uh, 30 days after sort of really starting the sugar uh, sugar detox that I went and did the program called Whole30. That's W-H-O-L-E-3-0. They have all of their information online, and it really gave you a shopping list. So I went to Whole Foods, and I bought all healthy food. And since I wasn't the cook, my husband, who was in California, was the cook. I also had to learn to cook, which gave me time to myself. I got to explore new things and really enjoy uh, what that whole practice of developing a meal plan and, you know, what am I going to cook for a vegetable today? It, it was a lot of exploration. And that's when I went paleo. It sounds like it was a lot of exploration, but did it feel overwhelming at the time? I took it in pieces because I, although I had my normal job, I had a lot of free time since I did not have my normal activities. So I I would focus quite a bit on listening to podcasts. I am a avid podcast listener. I would listen to the paleo podcast from the beginning. So I got to know these people, even though I had never met them. And that's what the joy of podcasting gives you. And I learned so much about what it uh, really meant to listen to your body and understand what's going on and look for those clues. I began to see a functional medicine practitioner, which really looks at your body more holistically and not just focused on disease. Uh, and with my, with all of my, all of my issues, when you're morbidly obese, while I didn't have diabetes, I did have severely high cholesterol and many other things, including, uh, those, uh, adjustment of hormones as, uh, eating lots of sugar and foods that were, uh, damaging to my body. I did find out through testing of food testing that I have, sensitivity to other foods that react like gluten. I can't have coffee. My body reacts to coffee like it does to gluten. And that was a hard one to adjust to. Um, and I've also have found out I'm severely allergic to wine. So there's certain things that I've given up permanently and other things I still enjoy. Every once in a while I have ice cream, uh, it, because, but I don't have a lot of it. Right. You just have a bit of it. So what's your cholesterol like now, Cassie? Uh, it is actually very normal. I do take some homeopathic type of treatments. I still see a practitioner here in California and receive my blood work uh, every six months, and it looks fantastic. And I walk, especially when I'm traveling on, on the road, I can walk up to 10 miles a day, so I have a lot of, lot of stamina for uh, just everything and including those health markers, all my body chemistry is back to normal. And do you feel as tired as you used to? 
No, no, that went away shortly after doing the Whole30 by about the third week once I got into a uh, carbohydrate detox and got over that, my naps went away. So if I do feel tired because I do get up usually very early in the morning because I live in California, but I work with Europe and India, most of my meetings start at 5 a.m. So every once in a while, I may take a short nap, 45 minutes. But other than that, it's for regeneration, not because I'm exhausted. I'd never have that exhausted feeling uh, anymore. Oh, that's great. So did the candida infection just disappear when you removed the sugar? Everybody has some candida in them, so it's not disappeared, but definitely the infection is gone. Um, And any kind of other uh, issues that happened in related to the foods. I did have a, one of my blood samples uh, and different kind of testing did find out that I had some uh, IB, IBS, IBD, uh, it's, uh, the bowel disease, ir- irritable bowel disease. Okay. And I went to, uh, to receive a colonoscopy and, uh, I went to a medical doctor and found out that if I had waited until I was 50 to get my normal, uh, checkup, I would have been fully cancerous. I had precancer, uh, they were able to remove it and said that I should be able to have a clean bill of health with the better eating that I do now. So I do still worry that there are potential precancer around what's floating through my body after destroying it for so many years. And that's why I just continue to focus on the positive aspects and how much I've improved. And that's all I can focus on. Well, it is really exciting to hear your story because it is such a positive story. And it's interesting how you became more mindful after you started on this journey. And now that we've talked about this for a few minutes, can you share how meditation plays a role in your life? Yes. Well, I travel frequently. Uh, My travel usually goes from uh, Europe for several weeks to India for several weeks. I don't have a set routine. That makes it very difficult for a lot of people. But I've found that meditation and being able to focus on myself, I like the solo traveling for work. It gives me time to concentrate on what I want um, and then I will be able to fit in times at uh, different locations. I can be at an airport. I'll go to a lounge and I will put in my earbuds on my phone and listen to ocean sounds and meditate. So I find it really takes off the stress of travel. I did not have a lot of stress related to travel because of the amount of miles I do each year. But I use it now to help focus and regenerate because if you're changing time zones, there's a generally when I go from Bangalore, India back home to California, it's a 30 hour set of flights and layovers. And I need time to myself and I need that meditation time to be able to last and be rejuvenated enough so that when I get home, I'm not destroyed for several days. Or when I arrive in India, I'm not uh, just useless for the first few days. So how long do you usually meditate at one time? I generally keep it to about eight minutes, but I also take time before and after for reflection. 
So I'll think about what I need to relax myself about because there's always stress. So I'll take some time to focus on what were those that were stressing me at that point that I need to clear those from my mind. Then I meditate. And of course, it's very difficult and you have to refocus continually. So once I'm finished meditating, all of those things that kept trying to enter my mind, I take some time to organize my thoughts and just relax. And that's how I generally do my meditation. I see. And so do you sometimes find that you get into such a state after that eight minutes that you uh, find it difficult to kind of come back or maybe um, you're in the airport and do you find that you have to uh, keep yourself somewhat alert in case something happens around you? Sometimes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I I have I try not to pick it where I know that there might be something disturbed. Uh, but I did have a gate change happen one time while I was trying to meditate, mm -hmm. which threw me off because uh, you have to all of a sudden either rush or move over. You don't get to just sit in the same thing. So sometimes it does get disturbed and you can't focus. But I think that that's actually what helps meditation. If you're only picking meditation in a very quiet spot, you're, I think, not really stretching yourself. Being able to meditate when there's hundreds of people around you is a different experience and, and one that's fun to take on as a challenge. Right. Do you ever worry that somebody might come up and take one of your bags or something like that? <laughs> No, I keep it pretty close to me and generally everybody's watching each other. I, I keep watch of other people and I'm very observant and I, I think overall it's it's fine. Plus I know all the security cameras all around having one of the one of my company's lines of business is security cameras. So I'm very aware of how all of that works too. Oh, that's good. So when you are in a very quiet place, like in your own home, what is different about your meditation then? When I am at home meditating, I notice I focus more on myself rather than the environment or trying to de-stress. So my meditation uh, is, is less inner and when I'm out somewhere, it's more to distress and maintain calmness and less about how am I going to bring that peace? So I, when I'm in nature or outside on my patio or even in my home office meditating, that's when I can really keep control as much as I can uh, of the meditation itself. Right. So doing so much travel, I know there normally can be a lot of stress with that, you know, with flight changes and things like that. How do you use mindfulness to stay as relaxed as possible? That's a difficult question. Um, I, I would generally say that I don't get as stressed as I used to. I've been on the road quite a bit for the last five years, so I do know the difference of it before and after. Part of it is the routine. I know what to plan for and what can potentially happen. But I, mindfulness, there's you're, you're never perfect, right? Right. <laughs> I, you know, I'd like to say that it's stress-free, but when I have a flight, one time I landed, and my flight 
my next connecting flight was pulling out because my first one was delayed. And then I have to get a place to stay for the night. The air, you know, airline usually provides that if it's their delay. It is a stressful event, but I've learned that uh, if if I if I treat it as a stressful event, it just ends up piling on top of each other. And so I try to not even take a moment for meditation, but just realize this isn't the end of the world. I can make adjustments. That's what I am is I come from a project management background. So my mind goes immediately. It usually is already planning multiple paths. So I find that that skill set that I have brings a lot to it. So I find that just having a continuous meditation and mindfulness practice, it, it expands to the rest of what I do. So I try not to have stressful events. They do happen, but I, if you look at how I reacted before, I would be close to a seven in anger, internal anger. Mm -hmm. I would never get kicked out of an airport, but internally I was very frustrated and stressed many years ago if something didn't go right. And that would happen even in my home life. If we didn't leave exactly when I wanted to leave, I would get very anxious. And that doesn't happen now. You know, plans change and I can adapt. Good for you. That's really a positive message. And you know, Mindful Tribe, a lot of us feel anxiety. And as appreciation for listening, I have a meditation infographic that you can download for free called Calm Your Busy Mind. Just download this. It focuses on breathing, exercise, mantras. Get your copy at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash calm, C-A-L-M. I'd like to go back a little bit more to the paleo diet. Do you find that you eat almost all raw foods now when it comes to fruit and vegetables? Can you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, well, um, so paleo is not necessarily a raw food. It's more of a real food movement. So most of what I eat is uh, is generally I eat a protein and vegetables. I don't do hardly any fruit. It's rare that I eat fruit because fruit has a lot of sugar. And right now I'm still concerned and working through weight loss. I just today achieved 75% of my goal. So I'm still losing weight. So I keep the sugar at a minimum. But what I generally do is most people, one meal a day of theirs is essentially paleo anyway. If, if, if I have breakfast, I don't need to eat as often. I do what's called intermittent fasting. And so I usually eat two meals a day. But I eat things like bacon and eggs and uh, like spinach omelets. I love cooked spinach. And then I have for dinner, for example, the other night, an extravagance would be having steak. Uh, but usually my meals are pretty simple. I have uh, so either some pork or some type of uh, beef. I actually, in part of that testing, I chicken is also, I'm gluten reactive. So I keep my chicken to a minimum of how much I eat of that. So I eat also a lot of fish when I'm traveling because I find that uh, a lot of the places that I go to have excellent fish. Like I'm in France quite often and they're, how they cook and grill fish is great. So generally think of it of, of just non-breaded foods and vegetables without breading. So if you remove all the breading, that's a regular meal. Um, and I can find that 
pretty much at any restaurant. I'm not what's called celiac, is which is when you get severe intestinal issues and reactions to gluten. So if I have something with soy sauce, which has a little bit of gluten, or if I have something, if I'm in a situation where they just have sandwiches and I take off the inside of the meat and I'll have some turkey and and the, the lettuce and tomato, I'll just leave the bread. So it's okay if it touched bread and I'm good. So in every situation, I can find something and I keep a few things, but I generally don't eat at places that have a lot of fried foods that are fried in uh, certain oils. Um, so some of the processed oils are also not normally paleo because they're very synthetically created. So paleo is real food. Uh, just It's as simple as that. I, I shop at Whole Foods on the perimeter of the aisle or I go to a, any grocery store and everything around the edges is what I uh, I cook every day and, and that's it. Very simple. Yeah, that's a good tip. Just go around the edges of the grocery store, not into the inner aisles. That's yeah. usually where the processed food is, isn't it? Exactly. No processed food if I can help it. So when you're in a restaurant, do you ask what kind of oil they use to cook their food in? Generally, since I order mostly grilled type of dishes, it's not an issue. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if usually grilled, they might put some butter or they might put some olive oil or a little bit of something and that's minimal amount. So it's not too much of a concern for me. Right. And I'm sure you get to, uh, you get used to certain restaurants or restaurant chains that work for you. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I do not eat really at any chains. Um, but when I do, for example, if I go to, uh, you know, even I can't think of any of them off of the top of my head, but mm -hmm. like chilies or something, they usually have a steak salad or some kind of version where I know that there would be less processing involved in that. And that's when I'll generally do that. And a lot of places, honestly, what I get is a hamburger without the bun because it's usually very simple. You know, the quality of the hamburger meat is not as high as what I buy at home because I buy all pasture-raised beef. But mm -hmm. when I'm somewhere out and they've got a hamburger on a menu, I'm set. I just tell them, leave the bun off and I'll eat it with a knife and fork. Oh, okay. That's that's good to know. And so, uh, no chains at all, in, even in an airport. What would you do if you wanted to eat something in an airport? Uh, generally, it, nowadays, most of the airports that I go to, the larger airports, they have some specialty restaurants. But I also will order a burger um, without the bun. And then there are a couple areas that have sushi restaurants where I do sashimi, which is without the rice. So okay. I'll have some of that. Um, and, and sometimes I just fast. Uh, so I drink a lot of water, but I'm not hungry. So I don't even have to worry too much. I cannot recall even the last time I ate at McDonald's or Burger King or any of the other fast food chains. It's been a really, it's been probably two years. Right. Wow. Well, it's, it's really good to hear this different side of things because, I mean, in the mainstream world, I mean, people do eat in fast food places and they get to the point where they're eating food and not really thinking about how that food makes us feel. Yeah. And I think that's, that sounds like that's something that really happened. You started to identify how you felt after eating certain foods. Yes. And that still happens to me to this day. We have a great Thai restaurant local here 
And then the other day I had their yellow curry. It had been a long time since I had had a larger portion of their food. I usually just had a couple bites and mostly eat the vegetables. Mm -hmm. But I finished the full portion and that night I was I was nauseous and sick. And that's that something in their dish, which I've never asked their preparation, because usually it's a coconut milk preparation, which I'm fine with. But I'm assuming that they put a cream in it and I have sensitivity to dairy and cream. So now I need to go ask them more about their preparation. And I know not to, to eat that in large volume. But every week, there's something new that I'm learning still about my body, whether it be food or if I'm especially traveling, you're in new environments. And my allergies, one thing that was amazing is that I used to take a Zyrtec allergy medicine every day. And then after 30 days of paleo, I was able to stop that completely. And I had been taking that for years. What I found, though, is that I'm more sensitive to certain things. So if I have a food that I'm allergic to, literally allergic to, uh, I will have a quicker reaction. But the same with traveling when I go somewhere to a new environment where there's something in the air. So I do carry something as an emergency area. In fact, I was just up in Canada for the first time in Toronto and I carried something because it, it, who knows what might be blooming at that time that I've never been exposed to that could cause a severe allergy reaction. So I try to be very aware of my body and, and I, cause I don't want to be sick. Nobody wants to be sick, but when you're highly tuned to how your body is feeling because you've removed a lot of the poisons and the toxins, when something comes in, it can affect you much more than it could have affected you if you were already inflamed and very sick. Yeah, it's true. Nobody wants to be sick, but we sometimes fall into these patterns or or we fall into a, a place where we don't believe it makes any difference what we eat. So you've obviously come out the other side and you have are really succeeding with all of this. So you said you were 180 pounds overweight and you've mm -hmm. reached 75% of your goal. So yes. how much weight have you lost then? I've lost uh, 131 pounds. Wow. So, yeah. And you know, the first uh the first 100 came off in about 14 months. So the the last 30 while it seems to, it takes a long time for me, it's not a long time because in that amount of time I've lost and continue to lose a lot of inches. So people should never be looking at really what the weight is, but my body size, I went from, for any woman that's listening, I was a size 28 and I'm now fitting in a 14. So I am half the size or even smaller of what I used to be. And I still have I have a goal, but it's more actually about a size goal and how I want to feel with my body and where I want to be from a toned. So I'm, I just, I monitor the scale. I check every day because for me, it tells me if I'm sensitive to a food, because when I had that reaction the other day to the yellow curry, I also was two pounds heavier the next day and that dropped off the day after. So your body will also show you the differences. So I monitor my weight carefully for that. And my functional medicine doctor was the one that suggested that she goes, you may not feel it, but 
if you're sensitive to a food, it can make you retain water and you'll see a difference in, in your weight every day. And that's why I catch those fluctuations. So I have a ways to go. And, you know, if, if I never reach what's called the perfect ideal weight for other people, I'm happy. I, I've got a few more goals that I want to hit. Uh, but if I don't ever reach that pinnacle, it doesn't matter because what matters is longevity and making sure that I feel the best I can. And right now I feel better than I felt for 20 years. I love how I feel. I love what my mind feels like, the clarity, being able to focus, to enjoy life, being able to do things like meditate and be mindful and aware. Because when you hate the world, you're not mindful. And I pretty much hated the entire world and what was going on around me and what I was doing to myself. Other than the joy I got out of work itself because of the sense of accomplishment, everything else was just a, uh, it was a nightmare. Well, Cassie, I'm really resonating with so many things you are telling us. When I first went sugar-free two and a half years ago, I noticed that my body changed so much. Like it's like it redistributed the weight. I lost some weight, but it's like, what's happening here? Like, why is, you know, because it wasn't just a matter of, of a little bit of weight loss here and there. It just kind of seemed like unusual things were happening. And the best thing that happened was I just started feeling a lot better, just like you've described. So thanks so much for sharing your journey with us, Cassie. It's really exciting to hear such a great success story. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for quite some time. And I've noticed that mindfulness can really help someone who has been bullied. Were you ever bullied? Do you have a story about bullying either in childhood or in adulthood in your career? Well, I, I thought a lot about this question. And while I don't recall too much of bullying in childhood, and I did not even gain weight until I was in my early 20s, I didn't really experiencing too much bullying, but I was my worst bully. I mm. myself was such a detractor and a bully and so negative on how I was that I, I did not probably notice it when other people did because I felt even worse about myself. If I saw myself as a separate person, I would have said, oh, my God, she's fat. She doesn't know how to eat. She's she's lazy. She's stupid because that's how I felt about my own self. The piece about bullying, though, that is important to know is that even if you don't have named instances of bullying, is that with what you're feeling inside is just as damaging as sometimes what other people are saying to you. And I want to point to how I was bullying myself is that I would, even though I was in charge of multi-million dollar program, a $15 million program at my company, and I was the leader of hundreds of people that were working on this project, if I had to talk with somebody that I had never met outside of work, I would be so shy and so intimidated because all I could think of them thinking to themselves was, 
she is so overweight. She doesn't know what she's doing. And all the self-bullying and self-critiquing was destroying me. I am now a podcaster, but I could not have done that because I was so, I, I was hurting myself. And I want people to realize that it just doesn't have to come from external because I think that we do it to ourselves and we then take that to other people. And I, what that's what I'd like to see people do is not is to not only look at what other people have done to them, but how have they turned that around? Because we tend to reflect what's happened to us and we have to be very careful and we don't mean to, but I know I did it. And I have to continuously stop myself to do that. So when I see somebody who needs help, I think, what could I do to help them? I don't want to evangelize, but I like to share my story. And that's why it's important, no matter if it's young kids or adults of any age, when people say, my goodness, you look so different. What did you do? And and I talk about it. And I never worry about what size they are. I'm concerned for their health and their longevity. And that's all I can do is just give them the empathy and let them know that I'm there if they have any questions. Well, I think it's remarkable what you've done. And I also really appreciate you sharing your story here with Mindful Tribe because we can all learn from each other and especially from your story. Cassie, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? I guess my husband. Uh, he's always been very reflective. We have a very different relationship. I have very masculine qualities, and I'm short and to the point, usually. <laughs> but he reflects and he prays and he thinks about it. And so he's really been uh, the person that I I see, even though he doesn't do a f full meditation, he does a lot of prayer and self-reflection. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? <laughs> I think I've mentioned it quite a bit, but yeah. the anger is gone. I, I, I still get angry. I, I mean, everybody gets angry, but I used to I'm sure my blood pressure would go through the roof because I would go from uh, – it was like the coyote off of the Roadrunner series. I would be just the burst of you know, frustration and stuff. And, and now I think of it more of a gradual increase or a frustration. So I, it's a big difference. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. That's actually how I focus on my meditation. I focus on the breathing in and the breathing out. And if I stray off, which happens every few seconds, I refocus on the breathing. So it is important and I listen to that breath. So I don't always use ocean sounds as, as I'm meditating, but I do always focus on the breathing. And that's how I can tell if I'm not uh, responding well to a situation is I can feel that anxiety and that breathing increase. So I do think it's very important to focus on what the proper breath sequence is. And I've actually done some breathing exercises just to increase the lung capacity, just because it helps and it makes your body feel better. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be? I, 
I haven't read really, I've read blogs more than books on mindfulness, but I would just generally recommend, I like The Primal Blueprint by Mark Sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N, because the paleo or primal lifestyle is not just about food. It's about a healthy lifestyle. And a lot of paleo uh, and primal folks do meditation and bring that into the practice and reduce electronic usage of of different things at night. So I really think that that's a good one for somebody who's interested in both because it is not just about food for him. So if you've ever been to his website, it's called Mark's Daily Apple. And it's, it's great. And it, there's lots of people who are very mindful about what they're doing, what they're eating, and their meditation. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Definitely Brainwave, which I just found out is only on iPhone because my friend who wanted it for her Android, we could not find it in their store. But Brainwave allows me to set the cycle and pick the ocean sounds. I love the ocean. That's my favorite part to meditate to. What advice would you give a person who's new to this idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? I would like those people to not worry about being perfect at it. Even if you can do two minutes a day and just start and increase it, and that's what I did. I started very short on the meditation, but it was pretty easy for me to come up to a longer time. And I could go longer than eight minutes, but I usually find that that is the point where I can continue to focus and I don't want to uh, then go uh, do something else. The, um, the other thing that I would recommend is they not only focus on meditation. It's not only that time. It's how they're treating their whole life. Wow, Cassie, I am really inspired. You have shared so much information about mindset, about eating, about, you know, all of this. And I just want to thank you. How can we learn more about what you do and maybe contact you uh, about, about your work? Anybody can email me at Cassie at CassieCrossley.com. That's C-A-S-S-I-E-C-R-O-S-S-L-E-Y.com. Or if you'd like to go to my website for the podcast, which is I love my job podcast.com or the paleo diet one, paleo diet 100.com. So I can be reached on either of those platforms or just by email. Well, thanks again. It's been a real pleasure talking with you, Cassie. Thank you, Bruce. Okay. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Cassie shared so many ways she got focused on her weight loss. And you know what, Mindful Tribe, you can download your free Calm Your Busy Mind infographic, which does focus on breathing, exercise, mantras, some of the things Cassie talked about. So get your free copy at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash calm, C-A-L-M. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.